Hello, hello. We are live with the Christian artist, and Connor is still reading the article that we are supposed to have already read. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> I can't say I haven't done that in classes. You haven't? I've shown up to actual classes uh-huh. with the article in hand. <laughs> Just the, oh, yeah, being no, I've done peppered with questions yep. by the professor. Absolutely done that. And I'm like yep. scanning the page trying to figure out what yep. it's saying. But, oh, am I acting like I know what it says. This is the Christian Artist, honoring Christ of creativity. My name is Caleb. Oh, I'm Connor. <laughs> I'm Ross. And I'm Carly. And, uh, yeah, we're here to, I mean, if you haven't noticed, this this guy's new. Um, he's usually not on, <laughs> on the podcast, but... Uh, Great introduction. Yeah. Well, this guy's new. <laughs> And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about what I mean. What are we gonna talk about, Ross? Hey, wait, wait. Before we yeah, talk okay. about the subject, I want you to introduce me more. Okay. I don't even know what you know about me. I mean, that's so this fair. Could get really okay. interesting. Uh, so <laughs> I, just, I want to see what comes out yeah. as you try to characterize. What I'll me. do is I will introduce you, and then I'll have you introduce yourself, and it will be more accurate when you do when you introduce yourself. I don't want to show you up on your own podcast. <laughs> I, I know a lot about myself. Like, so this guy's name is Ross. I met him like twice at our youth group many years ago and have since followed him on social media. And uh, he is a very rad dude who talks about theology and lots of other crazy things and uh, who I don't agree with all of the things on, but I, he's way smarter than I am. So uh, it's fun to, fun to have conversations about that stuff. Um, what are you doing these days? Because I, I don't want to get that wrong because I don't know specifically. Yeah. What are you okay. doing these well, days? Well, from you what you to? said, if there's anything that I could affirm, uh-huh. it's that we don't agree on everything. No. Even, yeah. Not even close. But that's fine. And um, so what am I doing these days? I'm a, I'm a seminary student at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Cool. And that's kind of a lie. It's hard to say. <laughs> Am I in the, I'm in this, this combined undergrad and grad program together and I'm in the intermediate year between the two of them. Okay. So it's, uh, you could say I'm caught up into an already not yet (laughs) paradigm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and then I don't know how to really lean into the eschatological fulfillment of my degree. (laughs) I've made that joke so many times before to people that don't go to my school they yeah. never get it. So it's really refreshing to awesome. have somebody laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I uh, just finished a bachelor's degree in philosophy like nice. two weeks ago and actually forgot to turn in one of the papers for several weeks and just emailed to the professor today. So I guess today I graduated. Today I finished that degree. <laughs> literally today. Literally right. like four hours All ago. Right. So that's Freshly fun. christened yeah. philosophy. Yeah, major. right. So uh, I got a concentration in apologetics. Cool. Which is fun. Um, it's not fun. <laughs> Getting the concentration in. <laughs> Being able to use it out there in the world is more fun. Yeah. yeah. But so, uh, yeah, so I study philosophy, theology. Um, on the side, I moonlight as a musician. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I, I did not know this about you. Right. Well, <laughs> so my that, that profile picture of me on Twitter mm-hmm. with my face shrunk to yeah. like disproportion, right? Yeah. Um, in the background, there's a piano. So that makes me. Is that that's the only thing that makes you a musician? musician? No, I've I've been playing piano for okay, my entire right. life. Awesome. Um, but so, yeah, I do that. Anything else that I that I do, I don't ask me. I've uh, volunteer in my church's junior high youth group. Okay, great right, man. 
I I watch a lot of movies. I'm which a is watcher. a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, film critic. Well, there yeah. you go. Which is a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about today. And since you were the one who uh, suggested this topic, um, would you like to tell everybody what we're talking sure. about? Sure. So there's an article on Gospel Coalition from September 8th, 2018 by Brett McCracken. Which is called, a great name, by the way. It's a <laughs> fantastic name. It's better than all of our names. Uh, yes, that, I agree. Certify it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, last name's Pinch. <laughs> that's that that's pinch pretty unique. Does, does not make it good. Does not make it. That, nope. He's good. All right. His article is called "The Christ-like Gaze in Film," and it's uh, it's a lot of things. Um, it's mostly talking. It's it's entirely talking about. Aesthetics from a Christian perspective, if you know what that word means, uh, you're going to have a hard time looking it up because it's spelled funny. So if you just look up A and then that, it's not going to work. So it's got an A-E and one of those letters is silent or they blend into each other. Aesthetics is the, it's the practice of... You know what? I think we need Brett McCracken to come to the rescue. <laughs> what aesthetics Does really he define is. it in the article? Uh, he does at one point. Okay, cool. So, uh, likely. Well, here, let's... Uh, I think it's the first sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a filmmaker is aware and intentional about the particular way their camera sees. At other times, the viewer or critic is the one who notices a film's particular gaze what we might call an aesthetic or a sensibility. But the filmmaker didn't knowingly intend. In either case, films are distinguished from one another in large part by the different modes in which they see what is in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, sometimes people say that you, you probably the most often to hear the word aesthetics is in something like Tumblr. Right? Yeah, honestly. Or they'll yeah. say a soft yeah. grunge aesthetic and it's a compilation of, <laughs> yeah. of random photos of people with like three quarters of the way burned through cigarettes yeah and, uh -huh. you know, and yeah. like they're like falling down the stairs but like only they're like carpeted stairs so it's soft grunge and like all this kind of stuff and so like that you know exactly what i'm talking description about description of yeah. soft grunge aesthetic i agree yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah i i was on tumblr in 2013 and me too yeah, yeah. So, only time i was on tumblr but right yeah, yeah. <laughs> only only time so so that's one way of talking about aesthetics where it's the it's the set of things that that have that aesthetic. But yeah, I think so what, dictionary what, definition of, of it is a set of principles concerned with the nature and appreciation of beauty, especially in art. Right. right. So, but how Brett McCracken is going to use mm -hmm. it in this piece is he's saying, he's using it as a verb. Right. So that aesthetics is not just the things that you're seeing that all have this aesthetic, but actually I am, in a sense, doing aesthetics by my my gaze, my and it's so hard to turn aesthetic into a verb, a transitive <laughs> verb. So <laughs> gaze is way better. Um, so so the Christ-like aesthetic in film, the Christ-like gaze in film, the way that the director and the cinematographers look out on the subject matter that they're talking about mm -hmm. can be Christ-like or not Christ-like, which is not something you usually hear about. Um, when you think about Christian movies, mm -hmm. it's not something you see in, in Christian movies at all, yeah. which, which he gets to at one point. Um, in my experience, many of the films that come from that come closest to exhibiting what would be called a Christ-like gaze were not made by Christ followers. Mm -hmm. Sadly, 
and this is, in my opinion, an understatement, mm -hmm. too many overtly Christian films don't actually have a particularly Christ-like aesthetics, and the ones that do have it by accident. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about that, right? Like, what is a Christ-like gaze in film? I mean, he, he goes through several different things in this, in this article. Yeah, does anyone have any particular thoughts as they read through the article that jumped out to them of uh, things they really liked about the piece? Um, I mean, this is basically what our podcast is about, right? Um, as Christian artists, so we talk about the intersection between creativity and faith. Um, right. Which would be this another great tagline be, if we didn't have or already have a tagline. But this essay can <laughs> be taken out of film immediately. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, it applies to all art, yeah. like almost yeah. immediately, mm -hmm. and then it can be applied mm -hmm. to music, to yeah. uh, writing and literature, pretty mm -hmm. pretty quickly. So, but yeah. Any initial thoughts? I mean, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you who haven't been here uh, the re reason that's funny is because Connor fell asleep while reading the article earlier today right. uh, and I, and the funny not thing because is it wasn't great no because I really liked it I just, he just is very tired I literally today. I literally don't take naps like it's nothing I've like it's something I've never done willingly if I wasn't like sick like I didn't like like had a cold that was like killing me or like had the flu or something like that like I've never been able to like willingly take a nap before until like today and so um and maybe that's not true maybe I've napped a couple of times but like well you have spent a third of your life sleeping right but but I but I can't sleep like during the day or like before a specific designated time I'm going to sleep you gotta get your owl on I, I just don't you gotta get your bat on <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be against renaming you like me breaking into the Janesville city court like you know the, the government building right, right. finding your records scribbling them out preferably in crayon and renaming you Batman <laughs> alright we, we alright I have powers <laughs> and even though I didn't have powers I have a lock pick so, <laughs> so this can be done I knew this was going to be a great episode before we. Yep, yep, and, and I'm <laughs> improving. There we are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, I really enjoyed just the. Uh, I mean, just like you were saying, Ross, just the the um, the way that it can be applied to so many different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and the, I mean, they use like real Christian principles to explain things um, that are applicable to art. Um, he talks a lot about just the way that Jesus had compassion on people um, and just the way that, you know, Jesus treated people um, and the way that Jesus didn't shy away from suffering and was showing emotion. Like those are the three um, main topics that he goes through um, and it's all applied to this is how Jesus acted. Um, and so to be able to make art that is Christ-like just by, um, the manner or, uh, just, just the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the manner works fine. Um, just the way that you're doing it, the way that you're producing it, um, can have such an effect on what it becomes. Um, and we, and we recently watched a movie that was very, um, like the camera was very specific and uh, um, very like intimate and like over the shoulder 
and like, it was always like really close up and, oh, and uh, we talked about it afterwards yeah, yeah we were just like man like it? it's really the movie Decoherence um, I yeah, it's a really weird. It, movie. it was an indie movie. Well, that doesn't mean I'm not um, into it. I know, right? I, know. <laughs> I, I could very. I was half expecting you to weird and indie about it. are yeah. more or less yeah. what I'm into. Yeah. So when it comes um, to movies, I don't, I don't know. And, and westerns. It wasn't western. Okay. It wasn't western. <laughs> you know, it was in America. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, well, it was set in California. That doesn't count. Is that what cool? Yeah, that's Nope, I'm against you for having just said that. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, no, so um, it's just super interesting that, like, that was one of the main things that Caleb and I talked about afterwards. Yeah. It's just we loved the way it was filmed. Yeah. And, it, like, that was that was a main, uh, like, plus for us. And, and so you can really get across a specific... Yeah, how, how intimate it was with the people, right? Yeah. It, it was very yeah. natural and yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't uh, artificial, it was very organic the way yeah. they were presenting these people. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I really liked about this, because I mean, if you look at any of these points that the article makes, I think you can immediately be like, oh, this is how Christians should just be acting towards people. Right. But it's cool right. how that can just immediately <laughs> yes. translate over to... Um, to how you should treat people in a film, right? Right. Just yeah. because you're making a film doesn't mean you immediately just like, well, uh, these are just actors, and right. we don't really care about who they are as people, but rather like they are vehicles for the plot, and that's just not a good way to make any piece of art. Yeah, right? it's it's not only less enjoyable, um, but it's less valuable. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, art should be. Um, well, I guess we, I mean, we talked about this before on the podcast, but art does affect people. Art does affect things. Um, and so taking that to the degree of you're using it wisely is what we as Christians should always do and never be lazy with art. Mm -hmm. I think it's more real, too. Yeah. Not that movies have to be realistic um, and everything they do or all of their all of their aspects. Right. I commented this on the side of the essay when I was like. Uh, sort of noting through it. So the very end of the second point, he says that there's a a certain organic quality and looseness of form, an interruptibility in which unforeseen beauty and holy moments, in quotes, are most Im are more important than hitting all the planned beats. Mm -hmm. So, and that characterizes the, the Christ-like gaze in film. I thought to myself, that's real life yeah real life is full of <laughs> random little moments that don't uh -huh. hit all the right beats yeah when was your life ever uh moment <laughs> scripted so that it's just extremely yeah. dense two hour and 24 minute trauma <laughs> that, that yeah you've had you've had the most intense moments of your entire life two minutes later you're walking around trying to any bang your head against yeah. the top of the stairs, <laughs> the stairs. then you get yeah. up the stairs and you have another one of the best conversations of your entire life yep. and you think yeah. to yourself uh -huh. that Hitting my head against the stair. That would totally get edited out of a movie uh -huh. as being distracting. But <laughs> yeah. that's real life. And that's right. one of the things mm -hmm. that Brett McCracken goes over in the piece is that there's a a looseness, uh, mm -hmm. a a lingering mm -hmm. yeah. that can happen. So one thing that I one reason why I think it is all applicable to our general Christian life is because what Brett McCracken is hitting on here with aesthetics is not just the particular beauty of a piece, but the method of the beauty of a piece, which means he's talking about worldview. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about worldview, we think about philosophy. I always think of apologetics because it's mm -hmm. the context that I mm -hmm. uh, came into the faith in. Yeah. And I think about 
winning arguments. I think about all of these ideas intellectually or beliefs that support our, our view of how the world works. Mm -hmm. But what if there's something deeper behind the world, the word view that we're missing? Mm -hmm. What if what if our worldview is not just the perspective that we understand things going around us in, but what if there's a more subtle, less rational, not irrational, but just neither rational nor rational, just these other categories of life that we totally miss when we think about worldview as being just an intellectual thing? What if there's actually a whole tone, a whole vibe, a whole mood of life that is more Christian? And when I thought about this, I thought about the, the Christian life should, you should have a view on the world that is marked by hope and not by despair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Deeply rooted in the gospel, deeply rooted in the resurrection of Christ and his promise to us of a future resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so we're people of hope that know that even though they're suffering, this is kind of his third point, yeah. even though there's suffering in life, um, there will be a fulfillment to that suffering that is ultimately for the greater good um, and that, that, that defines what the meaning of that suffering was all along. So that we shouldn't be people of despair, we should be people of hope. Mm-hmm. But but despair and hope, that also sounds like ideas. Yeah. These are just intellectual, oh, I, I believe in having hope. Right. But actually... Having despair or having hope trickles down, trickles mm-hmm. out into other downstream aspects of our life so and of our art. Mm-hmm. So when you make a movie like Fight Club, <laughs> my favorite movie, hands down, my favorite movie, maybe not hands down, clearly my number one, but there's a couple that are slightly in competition with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie of despair. I think that the ending redeems that, but but there's a and undermines everything that came before it. But it's it's overwhelmingly a movie of despair, right. and and that comes out in the grunge, you know, in the late '90s with um, you know David Fincher, especially the director yeah. of that film. Um, he he was all about this like sort of a green color palette and everything happening in, like dingy <laughs> basements and this kind of thing. And My the, green. the way that I mean, really, it's it's uh, and that trickles out into into horror filmmaking in the early 2000s, yeah. which is a tragedy. And, uh, <laughs> really, really, it's terrible. Yeah, I hate no, it so I, much. I agree. Yeah. So this this green color palette, close up shots that don't zoom back. Uh, don't ever try to cut back. Um, violence that is now. Violence is not Christian or non-Christian, but violence being shown on screen in its most graphic form um, repetitively throughout the whole movie when they could have made the directorial choice to cut some of that Mm -hmm. or to show it from different angles or to show it with somebody not liking it in the audience. (laughs) Even if one person who likes it and then gets kind of freaked out. but, But there's all of these directorial choices regardless of the content of that violence, regardless of even the message behind the violence, but the way that it's being shown in the film that I think is despairing, mm-hmm. um, a way that the characters act, even in even in Fight Club, and this is largely because of the book, the text it's written on, not even really the movie. I think that the, the script borrowed too heavily from the book. It, it has a, a very fast pace for mm-hmm. the words as they're being said. And I think that that... That definitely cuts out the lingering aspect mm. that Brett McCracken points out. So there's all these different aspects of um, of that film that make it so despairing. Even if you had it on mute, 
Even I mean, if there yeah, weren't buildings, each other. Yeah. you know, even if right, um, even if you really didn't get anything that was going on in the movie, you could tell just by the view of the movie that it's a despairing movie. But in, and uh, Brett McCracken points out a couple of counter examples. He doesn't mention Fight Club, but he does mention one of my other favorite movies, which is The Tree of Life from 2011, mm-hmm. I believe it is, mm-hmm. um, from Terrence Malick. So here's a section on Tree of Life. He says, often the uh, this is the same point as before, point number two. Often the attentiveness of a Christ-like gaze means letting yourself meander and including shots and moments that may not serve the plot but are nevertheless beautiful. Uh, Fight Club includes scenes that are intentionally ugly. Yeah. Um, for that purpose. So, so Terrence Malick, uh, director of Tree of Life, shoots his films in this way. His cameras are hyper attentive to the world around them. Whether a sprinkler on a Texas lawn or a sonic fast food restaurant in rural Oklahoma, Malick's gaze is up- observational and perceptive in a way that re enchants the viewer to the beauty of everyday life. So, that is. The, the re-enchantment aspect there um, touches on something I'm very interested in philosophy, but we don't need to get into the depth about that. <laughs> the main idea, though, is, and this is the same idea I was saying before, that our worldview, not just our beliefs, but the tone, the timbre, the texture of the way that we view the world around us can be distinctively Christian or not. Mm-hmm. When we get into an apologetics mindset, when we get into a defend the faith intellectually mode and our worldview is reduced to just thinking, something that we lose is, let's take the example of creation, something that we lose is the beauty, is the the, the beauty of everyday life, the, the re-enchanted beauty of everyday life. So when, when we think of God, God having created the world, mm-hmm. that should make us marvel. Mm-hmm. That should be incredible. We should feel awe at that. Right. But... If you're saying God created the world in opposition to your other thought being that it all came about by random chance or something, now the topic you're thinking about is the mechanism. What way did God create the world? What way did things happen? And and you are no longer looking at creation as something that should inspire awe in you. You're looking at creation as a science textbook would, right. which has entirely reduced it from the theological significance of creation. Entirely. Right. Those are two separate pursuits. Right. And yeah. Yes. And so they're both valid pursuits, but the one should be the way that we generally view everything around us. We shouldn't reduce things around us to a strictly intellectual endeavor. Right. But we should recognize these other categories and aspects of life as a part of a broader Christian world view Mm -hmm. that we have of the world. Yeah. So a re-enchanted world, a world that is magical in that it even exists. Um, is something that we we've, I mean, our society has broadly speaking lost in the twenty first century. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel attacked personally. Yeah. <laughs> you feel attacked? Well, I, yeah. I can attack harder. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want this to be Fight Club, though. Will oh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> hey, I think that I think that the club and Fight Club becomes a monastic order. These are monks by the end of the movie. That's my. I'm not kidding. That's my personal interpretation. Oh, all right. I, yeah. I, we. I, neither of us have seen the movie. Yeah, I was so. Oh, are you I, I kidding I, me? By the way, I uh, Carly, have you seen it? 
No. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I was no, all I, talking in the open air yeah, there. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've heard about. I've heard okay. a lot of people oh, discuss it, so I know oh. the general idea of what you're talking. The there's... way that you were responding to it, I thought that you had seen it. For, no, I've for heard. Some I've heard people okay. discuss it very in depth. So okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it it doesn't even matter to hear the discussions because the visual aspect yeah. of the film and the oh so graphic yeah. nature of it <laughs> is basically the point. Right. Uh, I think. Yeah. And so, or, or it's an essential part of the experience, not too far off from Darren Aronofsky's, actually that gets mentioned in the <laughs> yeah, too. Aronofsky. Um, yeah. Aronofsky's, uh, what's it called? Requiem, Requiem for a for Dream. Dream. Yeah. If I just described to you, oh, it's a movie about people doing drugs, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, that really is all it's about. Yeah, it's all uh, there's about, almost yeah. no plot line besides <laughs> that. You know, this person does drugs and it gets worse. This person does drugs and it gets worse. But, yeah. and here's, a, here's another point for aesthetics. One of the key the key tactic in that film, the key technique that Darren Aronofsky uses, is extremely fast cutscenes. Yeah. So every, I think I read somewhere there's like ten thousand cuts in that film. Yeah. In like two and two hours and twenty some minutes, it, it it's a picture of this person reoriented like two seconds away, a picture of that person, not a smooth transition. So it's cut, 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 and it really only does that when they're high. And so what it's doing is, and really in a, in a visual way, without saying the words, being high makes you feel like you're jumping around and skittery, right? <laughs> it uses the visual medium of film to display that to you. Now mm -hmm. imagine if there was some film that had nothing to do with drugs at all, strictly just a normal film, and some <laughs> ridiculous filmmaker decided, <laughs> hey, my view on life is that things are really skittery and they should jump around all the time. And he films a normal film like that. Yeah. That would ruin the movie. Mm -hmm. And it would ruin the movie because it's always the wrong gaze. It's the wrong right. perspective on life. It, it's it's using the film medium to hint at something that's just not true about the world around us. Mm -hmm. Unless you're on Unless drugs. Unless you're on drugs. <laughs> Which that, and that, that's an extremely effective like anti-drug film. Yeah. Right. Yeah, probably the most effective. Yeah. So, Carl, do you have any any particular thoughts um, as you're reading through it? Um, kind of just, I guess, as you guys were talking, um, I was thinking, because um, today in U.S. history, we finished watching 12 Years a Slave. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of very graphic stuff in that movie. And it's very, like, until the very last scene, it seems, like, extremely hopeless. Like, even as... Um, I mean, and it's a true story. So it's like, this is not only being portrayed well in film that, um, that this, this stuff that was happening to this guy was horrible, mm -hmm. but it's also portraying that he, um, he eventually made it home to his family and, um, and it was a very well done film. Like I was, very like I'm not usually impressed by films that we watch in class because usually they're more like documentary style. But this was like it was really good. And well, and I got the um, best picture nomination when it came out. Yeah, handedly. yeah. Um, I don't think it won, but it, mm -hmm. it got the nomination immediately. Yeah, but it was it was very good. Uh, obviously, my teacher skipped through a bunch of the stuff that's in it, but um, but like it it shows how much. Um, like even in a movie that barely mentions like a Christian message, I mean, it does because in that time, a lot of people were Christians, even if they didn't really live by it. But, um, 
And so like there were people reading the Bible to um, their slaves and there was, uh, but one thing that really stood out to me was that there was uh, the, the one guy that ended up being able to um, get him his freedom back was this guy that was talking, he was talking back to the slave owner and saying, this is injustice. This is not righteousness that you're owning these people. Like, the law says you can own these people, but what if the law were to say that that someone could own you? Like, how would you feel about it then? And so it was like so cool to me sitting in class watching that and being like, all of my other classmates are going to be like, oh, cool, he's free because this guy was able to write a letter to people who were able to get him free papers again. But I was sitting there being like, like, that's that's from a Christian worldview. You're taking that. And that's why he was ultimately able to get free, which was really cool to me because it was clearly portrayed in a movie that was just telling a true story. Yeah. I've never seen 12 years a slave, but I imagine that, I mean, from the way you described that, I imagine they probably take a lot of these um, points to heart in the sense of like, right. Like, I mean, being a slave is horrible, right? But like yeah. they they lingered with that and helped you as the audience see how horrible it was and mm-hmm. generate like sympathy and empathy for these people. Um, and then, you know, giving hope at the end with uh, having them be able to escape. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that last point is my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. In the three. article? Yeah. The willingness to see suffering, but not without hope. I think... The, that first point, I think, is the one that Christian films often struggle with. <laughs> is yeah. the willingness to see suffering because so many right. times, right? Like <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the correction is not we need yeah. more hope more in hope. Christian <laughs> films. Yeah. The, yeah. That's that's moving in the wrong direction. But the direction needs to move in is way more suffering. Yeah, because the article keeps it, it talks about like <laughs> if they don't suffer more, I'm gonna stop watching their movies. <laughs> yep. I already don't watch them. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. The, the article talks a lot about like Christian movies usually like just skip over the bad stuff, which is really and it it talks about like if if Jesus wasn't actually dead for like several days, like people would have like it it wouldn't have been such a victory when he came back, I guess. Like if he was just if he was just dead for I don't know, a few hours, like people could pass it off as like, oh, he wasn't really dead. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> um but like suffering usually lasts a long time for a good reason. And even in just like our individual lives, we know that like suffering usually lasts for long periods of time. And then after that, there's so much more that we've learned from it that we can then use mm-hmm. when we're not suffering. Right. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like so many Christian films just like focus on that hope aspect and they cheapen the hope aspect by not showing the suffering. Um, yeah. Right. Cause it's just like, it's hope isn't as hopeful to us unless there's something, there's a reason to want to be hopeful. Um, and if, if everything was just completely perfect all the time, then what is even the point of half of the things that are in the Bible? Because yeah. <laughs> That, you know, and, and yeah, like Christian films have such a problem with being willing to go into that muck and portray suffering as 
yeah, this is really horrible and awful, and let's actually see it for what it is instead of being like, instead of dramatic, trying to censor it. Yeah, I think I dramatic think, family situation, but we're yeah. never going to show you any of the details of it. Just kind of like <laughs> mention that it's dramatic, right. fa- a family situation, and then right. you just kind of have to use your imagination. Right. It's the idea that you know it's got to be family friendly, you know, and so mm-hmm. you try to censor certain things to make it you know more Christian, and the. the like you read the Bible and you're like, who censored this? <laughs> yeah. right. it's like, Nobody. Oh, I have a story about that. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's crazy that um, I just, just today on uh, Carly's uh, Snapchat story, she was talking about the king that gets assassinated. Oh, right? yeah. Chronicles 22, <laughs> yeah, and like he's, he's this huge guy and he gets stabbed in the stomach and like the sword like sinks into his stomach and he yeah. poops himself. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like, I well, don't no, know that why was this a, described uh, so... That yeah. was, it was a different, oh, was a different guy different? that I was reading about. Oh, it was different. Well, that's, that's, that's this guy, yeah. And that's that, in Judges. You know, um, actually, is it Ehud who stabs him? I forget. Yeah, but he, yeah. he has to... I was at a I was on a college visit to Wheaton once, and the like the lecture that I got put into to see what Wheaton is like was some guy lecturing on that. <laughs> oh, like an old testament was talking about it. And he said that like he had like himself or something reconstructed the way that like ancient palaces worked in that century or something. Hmm. And he figured out that the only way that Ehud could have gotten out without the guards figuring it out, there's no other exits to that building except through the poop chute. <laughs> so not only so every, and apparently everybody in the context would have gotten that too. So not only is there the I grotesque see. stabbing, and then the, right. I think the text says that it stuck in his stomach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the audience was supposed to also pick up that he was just covered in poop as he walked out. Oh my! Oh, yeah. Right. yeah no, the guy, the guy that so I was talking about. Graphic. Did we yeah. even mention Song of Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, no, yeah, the guy I, mean, I was reading about was uh, he was one of. I think one of Israel's very wicked kings that led Israel to like worship idols and okay. he like killed a bunch of his brothers and everything. Okay. And he, God gave him like an extreme like intestinal disease. Okay. <laughs> and then yes. when he died, no one cared. <laughs> Does it? Oh, okay. Well, I think he died and no one cared. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you see the Bible is perfectly comfortable with, and really all ancient literature, as far as I know, is perfectly comfortable with, uh, descriptive evil without making it prescriptive evil. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. the Bible can perfectly, perfectly comfortably show you something evil that happened. Yeah. Right. Never say at the end of the story, by the way, this was good. By the way, this was bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not comment on the morality of it because it kind of assumes yeah. you can figure that out. Yeah, exactly. Um, pretty yeah. quickly. <laughs> and, and just have it there embedded in the text. Right. Um, and that's actually a number of the the texts of terror, or what they're called in the Old Testament, where people will point to these and say, "This is some awful thing." Right. Yeah. But in a lot of those cases, it's meant to be shown negatively. The yeah. fact that it's in the text does not mean mm-hmm. yeah, that it's right. supposed to be read positively, or yeah, that you're right. supposed to. And the Bible, whatever the Bible says, I'll do. Oh, my friend. A little more careful with how you phrase it than that. Don't do everything the Bible says to do. Because there's some pretty awful things that it wants you to realize Mm -hmm. are are negatively cast Mm -hmm. in the text. And I think the same can be true in film, in Mm -hmm. art, in music. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to get over the um, kind of what you called family-friendly vibe with, with with our filmmaking, with our... And even which films we allow ourselves to watch, if you're not really a filmmaker and you're just going to be want to be a film critic, get over 
that you have to only see things that are rated G. We can have <laughs> PG. We can have PG-13. We can have <laughs> rated R films for the glory of God. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And in some mm-hmm. ways, that's them depicting sinful things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a recent movie I've only heard about because I think it was only released a few months ago um, starring... Timothy Chalamet, which is why everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's about this teenage boy who becomes a heroin addict or a spiral or a meth addict spirals out of control yeah. over the course of the film. And what I, so here's my thought process. Oh, I shouldn't watch that. Meth is bad for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. That movie I'm, I'm assuming from all the claim it's getting so is is going to say something about drug use. Yeah. That's a, a significant thing to say. Even though it's going to be really painful to watch and sad to watch over the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that even Christian filmmakers and that, broadly speaking, Christian artists can have in their art things that are not Christian if it's ultimately to depict its bankruptcy in some kind of a way. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is... Again, part of my code reading for Fight Club, being <laughs> yeah, a Christian, yeah. film. for sure. Um, that actually, I, I don't actually, I don't think that the filmmaker, I don't think that um, I said his name earlier. He also directed Seven, David Fincher. Mm. I don't think that David Fincher, from anything you can tell in that movie or anything I know about him, is a, is a Christian or is trying to make Christian films. But he so successfully shows how worthless and meaningless Tyler Durden's lifestyle is yeah. that. Um, you should walk away from the movie realizing not, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's how a 12-year-old views that movie. And they start fight clubs in the basement. Yeah. You're supposed to walk away from the movie thinking, yeah. this is a disaster. Right. How can I stop myself from becoming in any way right. yeah. who Tyler Durden is? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's several thematic things and plot twists in the movie that are supposed yeah. to get you to see it that way. So... Even I mean, there are other things that disqualify from being a Christian movie pretty immediately. But on that, on that ground right. alone, it's not unchristian because it shows violence and even gratuitous yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our, our our end of statement there: our art can be about Christian things and be Christian. Can be about neutral things and be Christian. And it can even, mm-hmm. in some select and intentional ways, be about sinful things. Mm-hmm. And still not forfeit the label of Christian art. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is honestly something that I personally um, think about and deal with as I'm, so I'm writing a novel right now. And um, that's one of the things that I constantly come come to. And I'm like, I, I, I'm of the persuasion. I prefer art that really gets down nitty gritty and, and I like dark things. I like things that really uh, portray life as it is. Um, and so when I'm writing this novel, I'm like, I get to points where I'm just like, okay, this character is going to torture their child. This is what this character is going to do. And because like I, I've written the character in such a way, I'm like, okay, this I know this is going to happen. I can, how am I going to deal with this, right? Like, am, am I just going to like be like, no, nah, no one's going to want to read that. I just need to completely rewrite this entire thing. Or if I'm going to, or I'm going to think about this. All right, I, I want to write this character in such a way where um, like the main character this is happening to, I, I'm making a statement. I, I want to kind of dig into this suffering that she's dealing with, the horrible family situation that she has to deal with. And the fact that, um, she's constantly under this sort of horrible treatment. 
Um, and I can do that and not be like, Caleb, you're not a Christian. What are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> sort of a thing. Um, and there's a very easy way to have that be bad. Yeah. Right. And I mean, just like we were talking about, you can you can make it so that it's a way that um, either desensitizes you yeah. in a bad way to torture. Oh, yeah. I could definitely write to, an entire scene where it's just like, yeah, this is great. Like, and, and, right. and, and, and the person is, is. And there are films like that. I mean, right. there are, I they're called are. Saw 1, yeah. 2, <laughs> 3, 4, 5, 6, The Last Saw, and Jigsaw. Which, by the way, The Last Saw was not, or was it The Last Saw? It was like The Final Saw or yeah, something? something like that, yeah. Lie of a title. Number 8. <laughs> but that's, that's what they are, and people right. will characterize mm-hmm. it as torture porn, yeah. right. which is yeah. uh, exactly accurate. That's yeah. the correct right. label for those mm-hmm. movies. Um, and they're not trying to say anything... They're not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's strictly despair, right. strictly suffering. Right. And that's um, a sad cliche of the horror industry, but those yeah. movies are maybe the horror industry on steroids. Yeah. Everything that's bad about the rest of horror films is worse in, in, the, in the Saw franchise. Right. Um, I mean, you, you, you uh, correlate that with uh, or compare that to A Quiet Place. Yeah, if you've ever seen that, I movie. have twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like five times in this town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the whole point of the movie in a quiet place is you care about these characters and you don't want them to die. You don't want them to suffer because they're human beings, mm-hmm. and that's the and it portrays the them as contrast. such complex, yeah. interesting, yeah. relatable human beings that have flaws and issues they have to deal with. Um, but they're trying. <laughs> yeah, and, and and even in addition to the obvious Christ motif at the right. end. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Like <laughs> screaming off the page, so right. anybody couldn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, in addition to that, so so sort of the content of the movie that has a Christian message. There's also, although even that Christian message is more subtle than any Christian movie ever made. Basically. Seriously, yeah. Um, <laughs> but in addition to that, there's the way that the camera pans over the characters. Yeah. There is the way that the scenes linger when they're walking out in the woods. Yeah. And the one scene when the dad is with the son mm-hmm. and uh, they're by the the, the waterfall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that scene was not necessary to yeah. the movie. Yeah. I, I really didn't think. And he could have just had that scene by like writing it on paper while they're at yeah. the house or something. But the intimacy between the characters of that builds mm-hmm. um, helps you see their compassion for one another and their mm-hmm. love for one another, which gets gets you on their team so that you're rooting right. for them, right? Yeah. But then also, I think that it models for us, like both their love for each other models for us how we should love people, mm-hmm. but also, this is what Brett McCracken is getting at, the love that the, the compassion that the filmmaker has for these characters, right. that the camera lens has for these characters, right. itself inspires us to and motivates us to and puts us in a vibe where we feel like we can love other people right yeah because because yeah i mean art affects you in that way specifically Mm -hmm. in things where it's it's the aesthetic of it it's the gaze and you know that covers all aspects of things is the way that the artist i mean we we talk about like killing your darlings right that there comes a point (laughs) in time where it's like no, I really care about this character and I don't want to like kill them off. And obviously kill them you, brutally. Right, right. Obviously <laughs> yeah. you have to do that for the plot sometimes to get across a different point. But the idea that you do care about your characters mm-hmm. shows something to the readers. Right. I mean, because that's the thing. If you don't care about your characters, your readers or yeah. whoever's... Yeah, exactly. Whoever's, it's, whoever's, that's, that's kind of the idea. Consuming yeah. your art certainly won't. So, 
I think that non-Christians see films that are made in this Christ-like gaze in a film way, and they love them. Yeah, yeah. because oh, yeah. It, because yeah. they love the filmmaking of it. Right. Because it resonates with something deeper within them. Right. Than than even if on an intellectual level they haven't got they don't like recognize yeah. that they believe right. or they don't admit that they believe. I think that in a deeper sense, the love for other people, the compassion for other people, what was the second one the. Uh, so the first one is the compassion and nearness. Well, that's the third one. The second oh. one is attentiveness and not manipulative so that people yeah. can be who they are without you having to fit them into your plot line. Yeah. And then the, the the sustained suffering with hope either peppered within it or exposed at the last moment. Those speak to deeper aspects of what it means to be a human being mm-hmm. than the actual content of the movie does. Right. So that um, these kinds of films can actually lead i don't think they can lead people to the gospel mm-hmm. i think they can lead people to be in a in a certain state of life a certain way of carrying themselves a certain way of, of viewing the world mm-hmm. that will make them more receptive to the gospel mm-hmm. that is Absolutely. already in consonance with the gospel so that yeah. when they get into it, it it already fits not much right. has to change about I mean, right. that's, that's parables that's yeah. what jesus did with parables yeah. Yeah. he would yeah. teach them yeah. things Absolutely. that that they couldn't understand spiritually yet because they weren't saved um, mm-hmm. and then teach them something about real life that then is perfectly applicable to the gospel and to spiritual things because God created both of those things. And so he just <laughs> yeah. perfectly lined it up to be able to say, this is true. So therefore this is true. Yeah. And then it's the same thing. There was some good commentary on Twitter today because Jared Wilson not the one Jared Wilson, but the other Jared Wilson. There's two Jared Wilsons. I Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. J-A-R-R-I-D. Yeah. It's J-A-R-E-D. So the, They're super the, opposite people. Yeah, I mean, right. not opposite people, but they have different vibes. You know, yeah. different aesthetics, you could say. <laughs> um, anyways, so he had an, uh, a piece today called, like, Christian Films Suck. I don't know what it was called. Um... <laughs> And it was basically just, I retweeted it, so it's on my feet, we can find it. Wrong, no, oh, wrong the Jared. Wrong Jared. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the wrong Jared Wilson. That's, the, yeah, that's that Jared Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. J-A-R-E-D. Um, mm-hmm. So he had a piece today where he was talking about Christian films being bad, basically. Right. Um, and so there was some comments below it. And one thing people were talking about was like, man, I just wish that, you know, like... So one mistake I think they had was that Christian filmmaking is designed to be evangelistic. I don't think it always is. It always has to be. Mm -hmm. But they were saying, okay, if it is evangelistic, if it is outreach oriented, like we were just talking about, um, how do you show propositions in films that like even these really good Christian films that he points out here, uh, Christian in this deeper sense, they don't have the gospel. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you. Right, like we don't get saved on the vibe of Christianity. Right, we right. get saved on <laughs> profession of faith and the resurrection of Christ being accounted to us. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, so you're not going to get that in a movie unless somebody says it. Right, the gospel has to be spoken. It can't be seen through creation, and it can't be vibed at you through film screen. <laughs> I, I right? just love that sentence. Like, it can't be vibed, can't at, vibed you. at you. <laughs> you cannot vibe the gospel. I mean, you can, yeah. but it's not the. It's not going to yeah. lead to salvation. Right. It, it may so, be a seed, but it's not. Like, so I said, uh, in some... Tw- the reason why you're not seeing it is because it's in my replies. Mm. You're on my main tweets page. but it, um, So anyways, I said something along the lines of, well, maybe I'm the Debbie Downer here, but film doesn't just film in general does not in general 
do a good job of sharing propositions in general. Yeah. And that's not really what film is supposed to be mm-hmm. as, as an art form for sure. Um, and so what if the, what if the best we can do is have uh, Christian, Christian vibes, a Christian aesthetic, a Christian perspective on what's going on and maybe a Christian thing or a two in the movie. I don't know. Um, like, like the the father's sacrifice in a quiet place could be an example of that. What if the most that we can do is have the have the right aesthetic, have the right vibes, have the right mood, have one or two things like that that are pointing people to the Christian faith, and then we just and then they get the propositions elsewhere. Right. They go Google what's Jesus, or you know, I don't know, something. <laughs> or they know other Christians, right? But, I mean, and, and I, obvi- I hope that Christians. That saw a quiet place, right? And then talked to their friends about it because all their friends went and saw it. Oh yeah! I hope that they saw the inroads to the gospel, right. uh-huh. Just right away, right? So we, as Christian film consumers, as Christian film appreciators, can or film appreciators who are Christians, right? We can. <laughs> you don't appreciate Christian uh-huh. films. <laughs> what are called Christian films, right? So, but as 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 Christians who appreciate films. I hope that we are the ones who are doing the mental work of connecting mm-hmm. the act, the propositions outside the movie right. that are the gospel mm-hmm. to what the film is. Right. Yeah. And so if, if we have a whole legion of people mm-hmm. that are doing that, then we don't need hokey Christian films. Right. Yeah. Which gets at the first point in, in this piece. Mm-hmm. So what's the title of this piece? Uh, why Christian movies are so terrible. Oh, that was pretty much what I said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Christian movies suck. So the first, the first point is, is, I think, the most critical one. Yep. They're just the most the best statement of this I've ever seen. I know, seriously. Christian movies are not made by artists, but propagandists. Yep. And mm. that's... that's that, that is yeah, true of that, writing. That, yeah. Have you ever seen all of the Amish books? Oh my God. Like, where, like, where like being like an Amish woman right. is like a whole aesthetic yeah, for like yeah, Christian yeah. homeschool girls. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. And my church's little library thing yeah, they have, yeah. we have a whole like three rows of just uh, Amish uh, novels. Yeah. And I'm like, well... Like, what's that really? Are you, is anybody really this interested in the Amish? Or, <laughs> or is it just that it gives you a clever platform right. to just, you know, emulate Have what you want Christian a culture weird to fantasy. Be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Um, so it can happen in, in literature. Um, and there are some books that are, like, not like the Amish ones, but they're still right. just really terribly preachy books of pretending yes. to be novels. Yeah, there is, there is one in our... Uh, in our library, we were, I don't remember what we were doing in the library at all, but we were just hanging out in there, and uh, I, like, looked across, and, and there was just one that just said John 3.16. Like, it was literally called that. And so, <laughs> and so I read the back of it. It was a novel. It was a novel. It was a novel, it was a novel yeah. called it's a, John It's a Bible study I'm in. Right, yeah. right, right. But it, uh, no, it's trying was, to be uh, nonfiction, but it's trying to emulate the form, right. the artistic structure of right. a novel, while totally bypassing the entire point of the novel, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, like the the premise of the the story was there's there they all these different people go to like a football game and they see a sign where somebody holds up John three sixteen and it starts this like spiral. Like, 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 
this chain of like events that changes everybody's lives. And, yeah, it's and it, so bad. There's a, there's a sign that says John 316. Yeah. That's like Tim Tebow wearing the John 316 eye black yeah. before the yeah. eye black got banned by the NFL or yeah. the college yeah. football or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so. how stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, that didn't work. Right. The day that he, or he had like John 316 cleats or something, right, yeah. didn't he have like 100 million people Google John? Although, yeah. I only yeah. ever saw that, that did stat quoted right. from people that were like exactly the kind of people that would like yeah, right. exactly. So I really don't know right. at all how credible that right, is. Right, but yeah. in, t- in thinking yeah. about like what is the most effective way to preach the gospel, that right. is not very high on the list. Right. Yeah. Well, and the reason why it's not is because you immediately build a reputation for being a terrible film that's not even worth seeing as the yeah. film right. or as the book or as your music, yep. and people don't listen to it. Yep. Right. This is the problem that... Um, uh, I almost said Billy Graham. Super wrong name. Um, okay, folk, think with me here. Folk singer in the 70s and 80s, but is still alive today. Converted to being a Christian. Started making some Christian albums. Everybody hated him. Then he went back to making normal albums. He's considered the best, no, I know the best lyricist about. of all. Th- Why? Okay, my high school English or uh, history teacher, her husband's obsessed with him, and he has seen this guy in concert like 30 times. Who <laughs> is the person I oh, am thinking Oh, it sounds so of. familiar. I know uh, what you're talking about. So uh, if I go to my, one of my playlists, I have one of his songs. I'm sure of it. This is, can we edit this out of the thing later? <laughs> <laughs> we lot, could, but it's actually kind of funny. Caleb's we not going to do we that. Uh, <laughs> the person I'm thinking of is Bob Dylan. Bob okay. Dylan. Bob yeah. Not Billy oh, Graham. Same Bob B, Dylan. first name though. So Bob <laughs> Dylan made regular music. Became a Christian, yep. converted to converted his music. Oh, I gotta make worship songs now, right. and he started to make these like thinly veiled Christian yep. propagandist pieces, <laughs> as in yeah. Bob Dylan lyrical form. And he's the yeah. best person ever to do that. Mm-hmm. So he would have made like the peak best best version that you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So this should be like the paradigm case for Christians being propagandists in art, right? Everybody hated it. Nobody wanted to listen to it. And they figured out pretty quickly, he figured out pretty quickly, well, no one really wants to listen to me preach at them in this kind of mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. So no one, so then people stopped listening to his music at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's just immediately sacrificing uh-huh. all the work you're putting in <laughs> yeah. right. for a message that almost no one's really responding to. Mm-hmm. So the better way, the better question to be asking yourself is not how... How can I make this music, this Bob Dylan music, Christian and just import <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christian um, Christian messaging into it? Right. But how can I talk about the things I was already talking about from a Christian slant and better and more faithful to this article we're talking about, the Christ-like gaze in film? Think of the Christ-like gate, the Christ-like ear in music. I don't know. Mm. Um, uh, how, how can I... Christ-like hand in writing. Yes. Christ-like <laughs> well, you can use, you can use, you can use voice in writing because um, an author has voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. so um, how can Bob Dylan, he already was basically doing this though. How can mm-hmm. he play his songs? How can he stylize his beats so that they're not super depressing? So that instead they're in some way um, marked by hope, mm-hmm. marked by joy, marked by peace and mm-hmm. patience. The fruit of the spirit list is not a list of ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fruit of the spirit list is also not even a list of practices. You don't really do joy. You don't really, <laughs> you don't really do hope. Yeah. You don't really do patience. 
Well, I guess that's the one you come closest to actually doing. We don't really right. do faithfulness. Instead, those are the vibes of our life. Those are the way that we incarnate <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's a weird way to phrase that. That was a weird it's way to phrase that. We <laughs> manifest Embody. the chain. Embody. Yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit. So I guess I don't want to say Jesus is the incarnation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> heresy. Heresy alert. That's not true. Nope. Spirit produced from the Son and the Father. Not f- Okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> so, so what was I saying there? I was on a train. I was, uh, I was going somewhere. My name was St. Nicholas right now. I mean, that didn't help us train. Sorry. Um, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, next topic. <laughs> I don't know where that was. I, I yeah, forgot what you said. Right, Bob yeah. Dylan making music. You're talking about um, yeah. vibes. Vibes. Oh yeah. So the fruit of yeah. the spirit right. are in the same way that the the camera angle and the posturing and the sustained suffering with hope peppered in it, that kind of a thing. Um, the fruit of the spirit are the vibes of our life, um, which is why... It sounds like a, a great sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like days of our lives. We were <laughs> it's just a modern version. So, yeah. that, so that you end up, even if you don't do any particularly Christian things, like you have a quote-unquote secular job, right. you end up doing that in a form of life that is mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. Which is how movies should be made, how art should be made. Yep. What this is really all get driving at is that there is no such thing as secular music, and that secularity. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some niche <laughs> ways of defining what secular means that are really helpful in philosophy, but there's also a really unhelpful way for Christians to think about it, which is that um, I only read Christian books. Yeah. Those people they read secular books, mm-hmm. but that is exclusively content based. Mm-hmm. It's exclusively ideas based. Mm-hmm. We have to break past that. Eliminate the sacred secular divide that everyone always talks about eliminating. We had actually eliminated this time uh, somehow <laughs> and appreciate the art as being art for God's sake mm-hmm. an art that's done in a Christian form of life um, and with a, with a Christian gaze when it comes to visual art, mm-hmm. but a Christian right. voice when it comes to, to literature. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same idea I, that I think we've talked in the podcast before of like, uh, you know, a drug addict can stop being a drug addict without being saved, hmm. right? Um, somebody mm-hmm. can stop looking at pornography and I not have a conversion experience, like <laughs> right? And so, um, it's not the fact that that in a, in a sense that the gospel solves everyone's problems because some problems can be solved without salvation, but uh, mm-hmm. the point is. That that doesn't diminish the fact that yeah that person is no longer doing drugs that's a good thing right like mm. at, at the end of the day and if that person dies in their sins right it can it can right. point ultimately to the gospel right um, mm-hmm. without like we we can look at that situation and be like oh hey that was good like they right. still need the gospel <laughs> and they still need to be saved but right. like that was a good thing in the same way we right. can look at and, and anything in, in media and right. be like, oh, wow, that person saved the other person's life. Right. That's a good thing. Theologically speaking, nothing can be good outside of Christ. Right. Um, in terms of like personal decisions. In terms of stuff, personal yeah. decisions between <laughs> them and God. Um, but in, in a sense of man to man, I mean, I can be a nice atheist, right? right? I can I can save somebody's cat and nobody's gonna look right. at that and be like like man you're an evil atheist and I was like dude I just saved a cat yeah. like that's which, a good thing why can't you say that mm-hmm. mm, where is it at in this piece um, which is also okay it's the second point I love how much we sit on the second point so um, 
when it's talking about being attentive and not manipulative, um, where does he say it? Jesus so there's a point that reminded me of reminded me of God's not dead. So <laughs> so immediately reminded me of God's not dead. Oh yeah. Um, where he talk he talks about boxing in people to like a one dimensional. Oh, that's that's above. I think is that in the first point. I think so. Um, uh, here it is. Uh, it's in the first point. Yeah, it's this means attempting to understand and depict their complexity rather than writing them into superficial one-dimensional boxes that serve tidy narrative functions. Oh, right, right, right. You guys <laughs> thought I didn't remember yeah. anything since I fell asleep. <laughs> it means compassion for them as they are, even if they have made or making or are making self-destructive choices. Some films have a tone that finds sinful destructive choices comical. Right. These, these films view people with cynicism and hopelessness, almost relishing the pathetic behavior that leads to avoidable destruction. Yes, so. and he, he, I don't really know any Woody Allen films have, kind of before that, yeah. our era, but the Coen Brothers, the immediate one that I, I thought of was Fargo, hmm. where it's all a joke. The whole movie is a joke. Like, it's yeah. a fantastic movie, but it, the, everything in the movie is treated like it's a joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not even that it's good or bad. It doesn't even try to make the point that, like, oh, everything that happened was morally right or something. It's just all a laughable joke, mm-hmm. um, which some people call... <laughs> Meta modernism, which is its own fun plug for one of my favorite videos on YouTube, the philosophy of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's it's, it's it, mm, it's not my favorite video on YouTube. It's right up there. It's like in the top. Five. I mean, I want to watch that video. Um, that sounds like, like an interesting. YouTube but so my video. point was that just like how in our own life we shouldn't box people into superficial. One-dimensional boxes yeah. that serve tidy narrative functions in our own life. Yeah. Like, this person oh, is a my next-door neighbor is an atheist, yeah. so they're evil, and they're right. out to destroy my live <laughs> right. my life. My yeah. way Which life is God's not dead. Yeah. It's Which is really the whole... 100% yeah. is what right. God's not dead. One, yeah. two, three, and you didn't think it was going to happen, or you sadly believed that it was. <laughs> Number four, I think it's coming out in twenty summer 2020. Uh, gosh. Uh, Already? Right. <laughs> mm. Oh, they couldn't come out any faster in their own minds. They, yeah. they think they're doing the work of the kingdom. Yeah. Right. But um, those movies uh, reduce people to a superficial one-dimensional box. And so the connection between why you shouldn't do it in movies and why you shouldn't do it in real life is that Jesus didn't do it in real life. Yeah. That's not Jesus's way of viewing people in the world. And we should ask for, we should pray, God, give me the mind of Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pray that. Mm-hmm. But also pray, God, give me the eyes of Christ. Mm-hmm. Give me the heart of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because if you have those two things in addition to the mind of Christ, you won't just understand them rightly. You will treat them rightly. Mm-hmm. Um, which these films fail to do. Yeah. Disastrously fail right. to do. In a way that makes us look terrible. Yeah. I don't really... Yeah. Uh, okay, so when you go to a Christian college... Uh, people are either Christians or they don't talk about it. <laughs> like really, at least yeah. in my school, that's, that's, that's really yeah. how it is. So yeah. um, you really only kind of hear Christian ideas being bounced around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't really get the critique side of Christian faith very much when I'm at school. But I know that from my non-school, non-Christian friends, um, whenever I bring up Christian art, they think of them being stereotyped. Right. 
which is yeah. so unhelpful. Like, I don't want them to think that I think they're the way that God's Not Dead right. views them. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I don't. Yeah. So thank you, God's Not Dead, and assorted other movies. <laughs> Kirk Cameron's Christmas Save. Uh, <laughs> I think it has a 0% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think it does. I think it has a 0 Yeah, it's like one yeah. of the worst right. it's, it's, yeah. it's probably the worst one. Yeah. Um, it might be the worst of all of them. But yeah. so, um, I think somebody called it the room of... Christian films. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, yeah, I would agree with that. And not yeah. even in like a way where it's bad, good. It's just bad, it's bad. It's just bad, yeah. bad. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, I don't want people to think that I view them like yeah. Kirk right. Cameron views the atheists that want to ban Christmas. Right. Because I don't. I, <laughs> I and all of us, really any regular person that isn't consuming Christian media all the time, has the ability to view people as three-dimensional, three-dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mic drop. I wasn't gonna do a mic drop, but you did it for me, so yeah. I guess I have to accept it. Can yeah. you decline a mic drop once it's already happened? I mean, um, can you get up there and you... say, "Wait, wait, wait, guys, guys, guys," and then try to pick it back up? I mean, you could. <laughs> I'm not sure how well it'd be received, but you that could. would be an incredibly awkward moment. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, but I think you could probably undo. It no. would fit in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would do it. Yeah. And think yeah. it's actually a really clever idea. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Carly, do you have any other thoughts? As we kind of um, I mean, one of the most prominent things I was thinking when I was reading it last night, um, the article, was that, like, really quickly into the article, I was like, this is cool that this is just a thing like that right. there are yeah. certain ways of making art that right. are more Christ-like like that's insane like yeah that's awesome because obviously like God is a creator like he created everything that we can see and like when you look around in nature a lot of it is beautiful a lot of it is what we would consider to our eyes ugly too mm-hmm. but um but in like art that we as human beings that are made in his image art that we create reflects that. And there are certain ways of doing art that are beautiful. And there are certain ways of doing art that are ugly. And there are ways of doing art that are ineffective and uh, effective and all of the descriptors that you could use for art. But like, it's so awesome that just like there is a Christ way, Christ-like way to live our lives as Christians, there's a Christ-like way to make art. Mm-hmm. And that just emphasizes the point that Christians should be making good art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite parts about this whole episode has been like, we, I mean, we've been talking about this exact thing for about four years now. <laughs> yeah. And there's always more things to say. That's yeah. what's really cool about mm-hmm. it, right? There's always another angle to take it, another a deeper level. Yeah. <laughs> a deeper layer. Have you heard people use the phrase, oh, I'm a life artist. No. Oh, it's the worst. It is the worst <laughs> phrase. It, I hate it. With my, it's the what most it cringe-inducing phrase. It. it means that like they live their life, they project their life, usually on social media, in a way that is itself artistic. Oh. Like the living oh. is an art form. Oh, my God. And do you see where this is going? <laughs> so they just like do their regular life and then they post it online. And they're like not very I good life artist. artists. Like, oh my like, gosh. Like, like I, I, inc- I am art. And it's like, this, like unless you're Lady Gaga, you're not, you're not art. My, my friend, I'm so sorry, you're not art. Uh, but they're hitting on something that's true. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Which is that art isn't some distinct category of your life mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you act like an artist and the rest of you is whatever you are, especially yeah. if the rest <laughs> of you is Christian. Right. You don't siphon. <laughs> right. You have this this integrated right. life. Yeah. Right. Where the and so in that sense, the same things that you should think about in how you do your art mm-hmm. should apply to everything else, I right. suppose. Mm-hmm. So we should be. Life artists. <laughs> Life artists for Jesus. You heard it here for, um, first, folks. Uh, you, Ross oh, Beer says, well, uh, I hate everything about that phrase. <laughs> like, as a phrase. I love, I guess I love what it means. I guess I just made the point that it's a good thing. Right. Saying. right. But um, it should be, it, ooh, I hope it's not one of those words that got added to the dictionary this time. Because <laughs> if it is, then I can't, you know, like criticize people for using it as like not I mean, a word. Yeah, I mean, you totally started out this entire episode by saying, I hope 30 years from now, or you might have said it before the episode, I hope like 30 years from now I don't like get a Say job. Say something and, that like fires you, right, my job you, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be the that, phrase that, life artist. No, no, scratch it from the yeah, record. It's going to oh. be it. And it's also no. on Twitter now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Life artist for Jesus. Uh, your boss is going to be like, really? Like, uh, that's that's the best you had to oh, say. Oh, uh, I won't just be fired. I'll get no severance back. Right. <laughs> take my home away from me. I'll be on the streets. It'll be there's like, a, lean on Pete, but I won't right. have a The thing is, there's an right. FBI agent right now who's listening in and is already coming to my house right now to lock you in jail. Yeah. Uh, okay, so maybe by way of closing, we could do a mm-hmm. few film recommendations for things you're thinking oh, of yeah. that um, sort of meet these criteria. That sounds like a good idea. So I made, a, I didn't really make a list, but as I was writing through it, I kept on listing things on the side that, oh, this is an example of this. Um, so, that would have been a good thing to, you know, prepare. prepare for. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know you're putting you on the spot now. Well, no, you got box. Yeah, like he's I got it. He's, uh, yeah, he's, so he's you, you got I'm gonna this gonna down. I'm going to be looking through some of these real quick. Do you really have Crazy Rich Asians? It is a great movie. It's not It's just recent. It's just recent, actually. I was going to really be critical of you. No, that is not. Well, okay, so an example of a bad one we already said was Fargo. Although I did ask... Does TWBB counteract this? Oh, there will be blood. Is there will be blood a counterpoint to oh. to this? Coen Brothers often displaying a I've cynical. Heard, I haven't seen that gaze. movie, but I have heard. It, uh, I think it got Best Picture in two thousand seven. Uh, even against No Country for Old Men, one of the other best movies, right. great westerns, both of these. Um, but so I, I just I wondered if there will be blood kind of counteracts the the critique of the Coen Brothers that's present here. Um, another example I thought of a good one is Straight Outta Compton, of displaying suffering. Uh, well, okay, so that one's actually terrible in the sense of it's just <laughs> suffering. There's it no is, hope. Yeah. It's so it's 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 a dismally sad movie. But at which point did I put this under? Oh, compassionate nearness, not dispassionate distance. It depicts characters who unravel because of sin, uh, but the depiction is mournful and it's a lament. So that's I think that's mm-hmm. true of Straight Outta Compton. Um, he lists Leave No Trace and Lean on Pete, two of my favorite movies of the past year. I adore Lean on Pete. I think I put it as my second favorite of the year. Um, movies that are attentive, not manipulative, are Leviathan, this foreign film from Russia, um, 2014. I knew you were going to suggest like a whole bunch of just weird things I've never heard it's a of. Great, it's a great movie. It's actually all about the book of Job, Ooh, who huh. Leviathan okay, comes from. Sure, it's not sure. all about the book of Job, right. but that's sort of the framing device that he uses to talk about <laughs> mm-hmm. it. So that's great. Um, Moonlight has for all of its faults um, a sense of presence where the subject is in front of the camera 
is notice, observed, and respect rather than drawn or manipulated for utility. Mm-hmm. It's almost poetry in film. Somebody online said once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spotlight, the movie about the Catholic Church child sex abuse scandal, um, that uh, was is incredible. It does that. Um, Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, does that, and Boyhood, which he quotes later, does that. Um, there's Tree of Life. Tree of Life. Uh, actually, this author, Brett McCracken, wrote a piece, I think like a week before this one, which probably is what got his mind thinking about this piece. Mm-hmm. Probably. I don't know. He wrote an essay called Why Tree of Life is the Most Christian Movie Ever Made. And he's <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, I he's think 100% I saw, right. I, I think I saw that floating around. It's, it's great. Um, so uh, literature, I have an example of Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Um, or Hurst. I forget her name, actually. Read that in high school is a great example of this. You know, I'm gonna have to do Carly. I'm gonna have to put all of these in the liner notes. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Um, I started actually doing that again. Just take a picture of his lips. Okay, so I think that Fight Club is an example of some of these things, but not other ones. I think that uh, Beach Rats. Whoa! Wow, is that a movie? Um, Is a good example of this final point of uh, like like despair throughout the movie, but then. Uh, hope in just the final scene mm-hmm. um, and perks of being a wallflower is the same as that is is um, despair really a, a lot a of disastrous despair. movie oh, <laughs> everything that couldn't go wrong goes wrong yeah. and then you find at the end that things are worse than you thought they were yep. but <laughs> there is hope peppered throughout and the, the final scene is exclusively hopeful is him like actually getting help yeah yeah getting the help that he needs so those are some examples I thought of Oh man, I'm just remembering Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, that poor kid. I watched that movie. I've only so read the, my, I've only read the book. My friends and I, in like sophomore year of high school, we were so soft grunge, or trying to be, you know, <laughs> that um, we would sit around and when we didn't have anything to do, we would be like, "Oh, let's watch Perks of Being a Wallflower again." Again? Oh my gosh! We, how watched, can you we, stand we probably it? watched it thirty times oh, in the course of my sophomore year of high school. How can you stand that movie that many times? Oof! Oh, I loved it. I mean, I guess I only love it because I've seen it so many times. But right. Um, I loved it at the time. It was just so. so hard for me to get through that novel. Just like this I bet the novel's kid. worse because oh, it novels. takes longer. It takes you know yeah. twenty to thirty hours to read I it, instead, read it of, class. Uh, instead of two. So first, okay. So those are some movies I thought of ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't tell you. I was no, that's really that fine. Question. I just I just so, opened, I just yeah, went my letterbox. Do you have list. anything to throw out there too? Those could be yeah, good you want to start first, Connor. Yeah. Well, I pretty much had nothing besides Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking of <laughs> the obvious. <laughs> the obvious. Uh, Seriously, I mean, yeah. one of just like, the whole point of it is good versus evil. There's there's hope. Um, there's, yeah, there's and they spend. To, I mean, those movies are so long. They spend so yeah. much time yeah. on like these characters right. doing things yeah. that right. maybe and don't. Tolkien did. This. And Tolkien, yeah. Tolkien did had the yeah. Christ-like voice as an author. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, which is part of why he's so mesmerizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just recently rewatched at least the first two because I don't own the third one. I've watched it, but. Um, but I want you to should rewatch buy one. the best one. Yeah, I, yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for it to know. come in the mail. I don't know. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> but, um, wow. but like I was, as I was rewatching them, I was remembering like the first times I watched them and like, and, and like falling in love with the characters all over again and yeah. realizing like, there's not like one character in this that I don't care about like right. at all. Like, there's, to some degree, you care a lot about each character. (laughs) (laughs) Something happened upstairs. Interesting. (laughs) Wow. And, like, obviously some characters are more prominent and more important to the story. Mm -hmm. But, like, 
even if you just think about like the relationship between Legolas and Gimli, like right. it's hilarious, but it's also heartwarming and yeah. like unexpected and it's amazing. And it's yeah. Christ-like in a way that like, um, I think one of the things that Gimli says in one of the movies is, um, like, I never imagined I'd be like dying fighting beside an elf. And then mm-hmm. Legolas says, what about a friend? Mm-hmm. And Gimli says, yeah, I think I can do that. And I it's mean, like, literally that is such a good statement on racism yeah. <laughs> right there. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just, I'm like become more disappointed in myself that I haven't read the books yet because I want to. So you should, yeah, yeah. you should definitely listen to the audiobook versions uh, because the guy sings all of the songs <gasps> and it's kind oh my of gosh. amazing. What? <laughs> yeah, the guy sings all of the songs. It's amazing. In the audio. Yeah. In the audio wow. Yeah. It's really well done. That's gotta be. It's well done. Nice. I want to do that yeah. now. No, it is. It's yeah. Well done. Yeah, he I sa- would think it'd be terrible. It, I mean, the guy sounds <laughs> like what you described. No, no, no. The guy sounds like you, you would think Tolkien would sound reading the book to you uh, and singing yeah. songs mm-hmm. to you. He's like an old grandpa. You know what? Just, <laughs> old amazing. British grandpa. Tolkien was alive when voice recording was a thing. I don't want to know what his voice sounds like because it's going to ruin it. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, I, there are do clips it. of him don't reading. Do it. Don't do it. I won't. No. But like, there are clips of him <laughs> reading the 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 inscription on the ring. That's uh, amazing. Okay. Oh my god. Actually, that's probably the only sentence I want to hear. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I think I, really, I think yeah, it would break our to. Twitch. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up for later. Oh, okay, though. okay. I was about to say I think it'd break our. Well, can't <laughs> do that. But yeah, um, no. I mean, definitely the first one for me is just Lord of the Rings, and I mean you could just go on and on about all the different things with that, but that's because you know. It was, <laughs> specifically designed to do that and uh obviously my other one that i've mentioned was a quiet place mm-hmm. um yep. i don't know i think also uh the movie the last samurai kind of does that Ooh, well yeah. too Ooh, um, super well um not necessarily um camera angles as much as because because I, I i don't think i've noticed that as much as i now i'm going to try to notice <laughs> um until just reading this article mm-hmm. of uh how I always, I always like it when it's done interesting. Like I notice camera angles and stuff like that, but I've never really noticed its relation to, um, people and like how, how it like makes a person more meaningful by the way that they're viewed. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm definitely going to notice that more, but for the last samurai, just it being, you know, peppered with hope. And then it's just this huge despairing thing. And yet somebody takes that tragedy and does something good with it. Um, and so, yeah, for sure. That's a good example. Yeah. So I, I found a whole bunch of movies. Um, the first one that came to my mind instantly is the movie Flavors of Youth. Yes. Okay. So this is an anime (laughs) film. It is, uh, three different, like short films basically in, in one movie. And there's all about basically just stories of youth set in different cities in China. Um, and it is one of the greatest pieces of like slice of life, um, story I've ever seen. And they spend so much time doing exactly what this article describes. Just just like normal showing these people as real people. They're so complex and they're the, the, the camera is just so, yeah. So compassionate for them. It's a phenomenal film. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great example. Um, I think the movie La La Land does this really well. Um, I mean, that movie is like technical perfection in my, pr- my yeah, personal yeah. opinion. That's a good All movie. of Damien Chazelle's movies. I haven't seen any well, of them. Well, only others. two of them are. He's only made three. So that's the first I need man to watch one that the came other. out this past summer. Which one? First Man. Okay. About, yeah. Uh, whatever the guy is that landed on the moon. 
Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Mm. Was it Buzz Aldrin? That's in the, no, no, Buzz Aldrin's a bad guy in the movie, actually. Um, <laughs> a, sort of. Um, but so, no, <laughs> not, I was not thinking, like an I evil was like, guy, but it's like, did a, you like a bad forget? guy. Who I forgot. No, no. Right, right. I was like, sometimes I that's say, what I was wondering. Sometimes I say the guy that's a professional biker. Oh, yeah. Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Yeah. 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 You know, expose that I sometimes say that. Yeah, I only know that because of that one episode of Arthur. Right. Uh, yeah. so, his, other, his other movie, uh, which is before this, is Drummer Kid Who Drums and is in drumming school. Uh, that uh, sounds whiplash. Okay, whiplash, I want to see incredible. those other movies now. Yeah, very but, intense. I've right, heard of them, but yeah, um, that's what this movie does really, really well, right? Like it, specifically camera work. Like the camera work in this film is phenomenal, and yeah, it's all about this and, and colors. I mean, we we did a review yeah. of this movie specifically, yep. um, but colors was such a thing that it it used color to portray story a elements bunch of weird, so like, often. Theme, thematic elements yeah. and, it was and like like elements that you could see were consistent throughout the entire movie that when a person was wearing this color that it had an effect on like well i i shouldn't say it had an effect but like it it like told you this is what's going to happen um whenever it was green it was like jealousy whenever it was yellow they were happy like it, and it was consistent throughout the entire movie yeah um and mm. it's just like so just such a good use of color yeah uh, another film I think really does a good job of this is Interstellar. Mm -hmm. That is one of my favorite. I think it is my, is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. Even though, like, I mean, I can appreciate the beauty that is The Dark Knight. Right. Like, this is just more <laughs> my style of a right. movie. Um, and so, yeah, Interstellar. It's a really long movie. Right. But like, <laughs> that's what I love about it. It just. <laughs> yes. It takes so long. <laughs> it's a very long, movie. A very long yeah. movie. But I loved every minute of it because it spends so long digging into these people's lives and lingering on shots and uh, telling stories through yeah the camera direction. Now, Caleb. Yeah. What's the What's the Christian message of Interstellar? Of Interstellar? That love transcends time and space. And gravity. You really can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah, the movie was about love, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Um, yeah. If you do you have any more, I thought of two Yes, more, I so have a bunch more. Oh, wow, here we go. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain. This is my second favorite movie of all time after the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I count as one movie. It's um nice. <laughs> have you seen the fountain? I haven't seen. Oh, this. it is. So I think this is good. in my watch list. You should you should watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, it. it stars <laughs> Hugh Jackman and uh, Rachel Weisz, and like, it's it's a weird movie. Like Darren Aronofsky's films tend to be, um, but it is so good, so like down to earth. Even though it's somehow, it's like three different timelines all intersecting. It's pretty <laughs> weird, but like the it has such a like a solid like. Um, middle like human story mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing. It sounds like you're describing inherent vice, but it's just that one doesn't make any sense. This three one makes sense. Story lines, Dante. No, inherent vice is three different storylines that are barely connected, but uh -huh. all are critically connected. Right. They're only connected in the one points that would make the movie make sense. Okay. And it's never explicitly told to you what those are. So I watched it and I just, I, I had not a clue <laughs> at all. What And the ending of the movies, really the, I don't want to say the ending of the movie is the middle of the movie, but it basically is. So it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But keep going. This is a little bit more uh, easy to keep track of. Uh, Stranger Than Fiction is a movie that I think really does this well. Um, that it's, 
I, I, I keep wanting to just say much, the same things about yeah, all these movies. Yeah, I mean, it just very much <laughs> values people. Oh, yeah. Um, in, a, in a meta kind of way, which was impressive. Yeah. Have you seen Stranger Than Fiction? No. It is highly recommended. It's really, really good. It, you don't expect it to, to have meaning because it's it starts out like a comedy. And then it just takes such a, a meaningful turn um, in, a, in, a, in a meta way because like it's a like Will a... Will Ferrell movie? That's yeah. good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, and I, I personally, I, I don't like Will Ferrell's movies in general um, yeah. most of the time. But like, this is a good movie. It's just a good movie. And uh, He's not Adam Sandler. No. <laughs> Ergo, he's capable of making a good movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was looking at your face I, like, I, there's, I, a, there's I, a line here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a... Yeah. But yeah, it's surprising how good this movie is, honestly. Yeah, it's basically about a guy who realizes that he's the main character of a novel, and he's the narrator reading <laughs> to him. Like, as he's narrating... Oh, I saw this when I was like 10. Did you? Didn't okay. understand 2006. it. 2006. <laughs> well, sense. I would have maximum been nine then, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. I'm so you sorry. should watch it again. <laughs> really um, fact checked me good. <laughs> so this is a, a little bit of a screw movie. The movie Gandhi. It's like a epo- epic biopic. Um, by from 1982. By, yeah, 1982, directed by Richard Attenborough. I, I I watched this for school. I took a comparative religious ethics class, and we read this for one of the films we were doing. Um, and it is really really well done. It made me it made me super sad because like. I mean, the story of Gandhi is inspiring in one sense, but as a Christian, it's also just really depressing in another sense because I'm just like, wow, this guy who obviously has the image of God in him and like, you know, is made in the image of God and he sees that there's injustice happening, but like at the end of the day, he doesn't have the right answer um, and dies, you know, apart from Christ. Um, but like, it's, it's very, very well done movie, um, that really digs into his life and the people around him, his life and, uh, like their, the struggles that they went through, um, in real life. (laughs) So there's one scene that is just like, so sad and it's just a bunch of people dying and it's just like, more or less sad than Marley and me. (laughs) Less. <laughs> okay, yes. because if you had said more, Mar- I was going to yeah. scream. Well, so. yeah, I mean, Marley and me just kind of sets out to destroy you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of the goal but of the movie. Surprisingly, and this trend that goes into my next film, um, I cried more at King Kong. I was just saying, please tell King me King it's Kong. Marley and me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I cried more at Peter Jackson's King Kong than yeah. I cried at Marley and me. Um, what? <laughs> so like, you? No, I am not kidding. kidding. Have you seen <laughs> no, Peter Jackson's King Kong? No, I haven't. Oh, like, okay, oh, yeah. It's a King Kong movie. Well, yeah, okay. no, no way. Oh, see, that's oh, what you no. think. That's that is what I think. That is what yeah. you think. That is what no, I think. It, okay, but seriously, like, yeah, King Kong somehow does this. Yeah, with a giant gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> This whole thing, yeah. it does it with the giant gorilla. It does. I, I, it I really can does. do this. It, it, it can do this. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah. And it's amazing. I'll have to see it to believe that. And there's a bunch of awesome, like, human <laughs> characters that also do it. Is, to me, it was sadder than Marley. Right. Right. It might have been the specific moods I was watching those movies right. in, but, like, I cried more at the ending of King Kong, both times I've watched it, than uh, the ending of Marley and Me. The one yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, The Girl Who Left Their Time. Is really oh, you ended movie. up watching that? I did watch that. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, it's uh, an, another anime film, um, and it's about uh, a girl who gains the ability to quite literally leap backwards through time um, <laughs> by, like, she li- like has to jump in a particular way, but then she leaps backward in time. So, 
Okay. <laughs> it's it's you just have to like <laughs> just suspend your disbelief about this. She sounds like Walter Benjamin's Angel of Time. No, I haven't seen um, that. It's a it's not a book movie. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> it's okay. not a movie. So, it's a book. Okay. It's, yeah. But yeah, so the girl who left through time. It is another like very slice of life sort of movie um, that really just digs into this girl's like life and what she cares about. Um, yeah. Well, entirely keeping the realism of your day to day life. No. <laughs> it's like one of those, it's like one hey, of those hey, movies where movies like, do not have to be yes. no, they don't. all real. Yeah. And even movies that are trying to be real don't have to be realistic. Right. So uh, Karen mm-hmm. Swallow Pryor, who is an English prophet, yeah. uh, Liberty, mm-hmm. she had the best take on three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri um, because she has studied Flannery O'Connor. Flannery Connor? Flannery O'Connor. It was an O, right. yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Both Irish names, so probably an O in the middle. Yeah. And um, anyways, so, and the movie is peppered with Flannery O'Connor references, or a book is open on a table somewhere, and it's a Flannery O'Connor book <laughs> or something. And and she alone picked it up. Mm-hmm. She caught it. And so then she was able to interpret the whole film. And one of the things that Flannery O'Connor said is that, uh, you know, literature does not have to be real, but when you make it unreal, it should be to expose just how unreal reality is. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that the ridiculous, the ridiculous things in Three Billboards Outside of Missouri are all ridiculous with the intent of showing you that if this happened in real life, it would feel more ridiculous than it was in the scene. Right. <laughs> um, so there's like, got panned by critics, this one transition in the movie where, um, <laughs> where uh, like she- <laughs> I got that too. <laughs> Right. Where she is, she is like, she's talking about how her daughter was like brutally raped and murdered. Um, And like, it immediately like cuts to a scene where she's talking to her daughter, um, like as the daughter's leaving the house and she's screaming, I don't even care about you being alive anymore. Like, Like, okay, did that really happen right before she left the house and then was killed? No, I mean, in the film, yeah, but but it doesn't matter that it's not real or realistic. Right. Because it's the the un, the un unbelievableness of that being included in the film is designed to show you how crazy real life is and how crazy right. we are totally, in our totally real life. Because that totally could have happened. Yeah. In, in it's not like fantasy situation. unbelievable. No. Which is why people don't like it. Yeah. People want it to be either totally unbelievable, like <laughs> yeah. jumping backwards through time, mm-hmm. or strictly real. Right. But people are uncomfortable with an in-between mode of realism. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving the director a lot of leeway there, because really I could just say it was a stupid directorial decision, <laughs> bad scenes. <laughs> but that's what Karen Swallow Pryor points out, is that mm-hmm. while the author is very subtly hinting this at us, yeah. that, that the author at least has Flannery O'Connor in the back of their mind when the author was making or the director was making that film. Mm-hmm. So supposedly intentional. But yeah, I mean, going going off of that, and that's the thing I think the, the girl who left through time really does well, because... Um, it, it, I mean, fantasy elements, um, not even just like what you were talking about, but like, you know, uh, overtly, overtly fantasy. fantasy elements are often there and, and are when used rightly, they're there to emphasize real life more profoundly, right? Like to, mm-hmm. to talk about human nature, to talk about things that are true in a deeper way and in a way that wouldn't be possible unless you talked about it 
with the frame of this fantasy in view. Um, and then when this happens in this movie, right, where the girl who, she leaps backwards through time, tries to, like, improve her grades, prevent personal mis mishaps, <laughs> and it shows us something about human nature. It shows us something about the way that she views the people around her. Um, and, and it shows, it shows desires. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a biblical concept as well of, like, even God holds even our desires. Um, the things that we would do if we had the opportunity to do. Yeah. And we're held accountable for those things. Um, like, for instance, hating your brother could be easily summarized. Or it could be easily summarized, I should say, in that if I wish that you didn't exist. Right. Right. That obviously, I mm. can't accomplish that. Um, and and so when people say, oh, well, I would never murder someone I'd be like, yeah, well, when's the last time you sat in your in your bedroom and thought, I wish this person didn't exist. And then, and then there's all these weird movies about what if your wish did come true, you know, and the consequences of <laughs> yeah. that and like, uh, you know, people switching bodies, all these weird things. In a and, way that art alone can depict. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it, it no. shows you like, hey, this is that desire. This is what would actually happen if you had this desire. Mm -hmm. Is that something you should want? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is, is this your last one? Or do you have uh, one, more? one more. One more. And... This is just like the oh, trilogy. This is a good movie. The tri oh. yeah, the the trilogy of these three, the the newest uh, Planet of the Apes movies, oh. are so phenomenally yeah. done. Um, and and specifically in this exact thing, right? Like somehow the director and the the writers do this with a bunch of anthropomorphic apes, right? Right. <laughs> and it, there was a point where uh, so when Mickey came over because we were gonna watch the last of the trilogy when it came out in the movie theater. And uh, Mickey wanted to come see it with us, but she hadn't seen the other two. And so we had her over and like, it was like three hours before the movie we were going to go see. <laughs> and uh, we just had her watch the second one because we figured, okay, well, we'll just watch the second one and you can just come watch the third one with us. And if you want to watch the first one later, whatever. Um, and so arguably the first one is the least. The, yeah. The worst of yeah. the three. And so, and arguably I'd say the second one is the best. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, yeah. <laughs> cool. Irrelevant information, yeah. No, so... Uh, Spirals on his own hour-long. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the best. Right. Welcome to like, the uh, podcast. Yeah. yeah, no. Uh, but the... So we, we were watching those, right? And then during the third movie, because I had seen it so for like so long, so like five hours of my life was just devoted to watching these apes, um, I started <laughs> thinking and I was like, I totally forgot that they were apes for a second. Which is how Tolkien's uh, fantasy works. Yeah, oh, yeah, seriously. yeah, that too. It's like, it's uh, this person is a dwarf. It's like, well, I mean, in, in my mind, it's just, this is just a human. Um, yeah. And I mean, because yeah. I can relate so easily to yeah. them. And so that's that's the beauty of it is, is uh, you know, I mean, it, it is in a way, uh, you know, a uh, what we were talking about earlier with Gimli and Legolas, it's a statement. That's the word. How do I not know the word statement? It's a statement <laughs> on racism. It really is. Mm -hmm. um, that mm. it it can so easily humanize things that you normally wouldn't humanize like mm -hmm. a dwarf that doesn't exist. Right. Or like um, a gorilla or a, right. Right. A, a, well, a talking gorilla that doesn't exist. Right. And so, uh, cause gorillas but, exist. But this can also be done very poorly. Right. Yeah. Um, like artistically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. is the movie called bright. I think it is Will Smith and like this like stone. Rock oh man. yeah. The one with and the work. It's, it's basically, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's so uh, from what dumb. I heard, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I've, I've heard. I've refused to see it on yeah. two occasions, I think. But, um, from what I've heard, it's, it's basically like a really like thinly veiled, loosely coded metaphor for white and black cops. Because they're on their police force, right? The, these two guys. So it's a black um, cop and an orc. 
And so it's and like, it's just a, like a literally it's Tolkien like, orc. It's, like it's just a terrible <laughs> oh movie God. from everything I've heard. On the police force um, and and the way that it tries to situate in a fantasy world our current political moment racially right. is just horribly done. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we shouldn't say that all attempts at 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 this this Christian gaze at art are equally successful. Yep. Right. They're uh, the okay, goal could occasionally be. you can make a movie that's not a Christian film. Um, it's not. It's not. And by that I mean it's not God's not dead. It's not <laughs> yeah. saving Christmas or whatever. It's saved Christmas gets saved or something. Christmas prays and receives Jesus into its heart. <laughs> so you make a movie that's not one of those, and you try to make one of these that has a Christ-like gaze, and it still is worse than the other ones. Right. You know, so 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 just doing this does not guarantee artistic success. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Good clarification. Yeah. yeah. Carly, you have any film suggestions? Um, I mean, I yes, I was going <laughs> to add to that though. Um, okay. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, in um, so I'm taking a filmmaking class right now, mm. and towards the beginning of the year, we did a lot of watching movies so that before we started making movies, we'd have uh, well, movies videos. Um, we'd have uh, we <laughs> wow. don't make like full length movies, yeah, budget but, your school <laughs> but um, uh, but we like examined movies and were like, oh, what kind of shots were used to emphasize these kind of like themes in the movie, like uh, stuff like that. I noticed like now looking back, like all of the movies that we watch, at least to me were like trash, (laughs) at least like, um, story wise, like some of them just didn't have a story. Like they were just random filmed things and it wasn't enjoyable to watch. Or are these your classes films? Yeah. Okay. Well, no films that we watched in class. What was the worst one? (sighs) It was, I think it was, it was called Grey Gardens. Uh, It was like literally these, these two women, a mother and a daughter. And it was like them being filmed constantly. And it was so boring. But, um, but like seeing like this article makes me realize like you can have all of the right, like thematic shots and you can do all of the like cinematography right but if you have horrible storyline like it's still not gonna work like right and so like because the article talks about right like choosing um like a christ-like gaze over just like necessity of the plot sort of thing right right. yeah but like you can't not have a plot right like (laughs) you still have to do all of those things people give of tree of life yeah well, actually, there are whole sections of Tree of Life that are non-plot, mm-hmm. like like twenty-minute scenes that are literally nothing. <laughs> so there, there I, mean, I still love bal- it, right? I but still there, love it. There, there's a good balance to find between those two things, right? Yeah, you're really only going to draw an art house crowd to like your movie. Exactly. Like right. so yeah. Shirt balance. Yeah. So okay, um, but you did you keep going, Carly? Uh, yeah, that was pretty much all I had on that, but. Uh, Movies that I would recommend that display this. Um, for some reason, I keep thinking about movies that I've seen in school, even though usually I don't like them. But um, one that I watched last year in uh, world history was Schindler's List, yes. which was mm-hmm. yes. very good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I remembered it yes. as we were talking. Ooh, and the was Pianist like, is mentioned in this 
this article too. That is a that's a world, another World War Two movie that does this really really well. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. the one and it was, I haven't seen any of the movies. It was such a good movie and like Children of Man, Manchester. One of one of the most the memorable things is the the um because like the entire movie's in black and white except for the one little girl that's wearing I think it's like a red coat or dress or something, mm-hmm. and at the end of the movie you see the the red article of clothing and you know that that girl is not alive anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's such a good shot Mm -hmm. because it's, it's something that stands out from literally the entire rest of the color of the film. And, and you know what it means immediately when you see that color for the second time in the movie. And it's such a symbolic color and just like the entire message of the film too. And the, like it, it does the, the um, showing suffering without hopelessness very well. And um, I can't think of any other movies off the top of my head just because no. I don't watch a lot of movies on my own, but, um, well, but you, that's you can, one that you can compare the color thing too, to a much worse attempt at something probably inspired by that, which is the movie, the giver. <laughs> so in the books, mm, in yes. the giver books, the, the red apple, <laughs> right. Okay. So the movie's terrible in general. I really, really didn't like it. Um, but in the books, you don't know that everything's in black and white because the author mm-hmm. just never tells you that. Mm-hmm. And then as it gets to the apple, the author is just like the, – the main character is just like scrambling to try to think of language to describe this new thing he's experiencing. <laughs> and it's color. And mm-hmm. that's that's the whole point is that like it's – oh, like you as a reader realize, realize he's talking about it's color. It's just amazing thing. The whole book. In the yeah. movie, the first half of the movie is basically in black and white. And then yeah. suddenly there's a red apple and you get it immediately and it totally <laughs> yeah. ruins it. So yeah. this is another point in what we were saying before about how uh, using an artistic medium well is also important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because something that yeah. works really well in a book may not work at all in film. It's a book that shouldn't have been made a new movie, but yeah. the market was there, so they <laughs> yeah. did it. I guess I would add two more movies I was thinking of, and they are A Separation which is a foreign language film from Iran from 2000, I think, 14, maybe 11, 2011. I've only watched like three foreign language films my whole life, and that's the third one, Um, which is an excruciating movie, and it's about, it's just like these regular people that are all like 95% telling the truth the whole movie, Hmm. and that 5% catches up with them all against each other, um, and they keep like barely spinning it, like overwhelmingly telling the truth. And it's so real. It's such a real picture of how lying works in the real world. Yeah. Um, and how people respond to those kinds of lies in the real world. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that met, it meets all of these criteria. So a separation. Um, and the other one was, can't not end the show on this. My favorite movie of 2018, of the ones that I saw, mm-hmm. was so far was First Reformed which Brett mm. McCracken brings up in here, and he wrote another uh, separate piece on that when it came out, which does this fantastically. He actually quotes the author of, or the director of First Reform, Paul Schrader, who wrote a whole book called The Transcendental Style in Film, Transcend- Transcendent, mm, right. you know, a lot of things we're talking about here, which is a book, I guess, I should read, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be interested. put I'd that be in the liner notes, Caitlin. I'd be yeah. interested, yeah. <laughs> But so first reformed, people hated it because the plot didn't make any sense. 
Uh, okay, any sense is an exaggeration. Those people <laughs> are ridiculous because that didn't make any sense. But um, the ending was ambiguous on purpose. So And it cut before the ambiguity would be resolved and the movie was just over. But um, it has all of these all of these properties of a Christ-like gaze in film. Mm-hmm. So I'll add that to the list. Cool. Well, there we go. I think I think we're we're wrapping up here. This is a yeah. great episode. Uh, really yeah. No. Honestly, this is this mm-hmm. this might be the one that I now recommend to people. Before uh-huh. I think it was just oh. a statement of faith. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, this was just it was a very intelligent conversation that yeah. mm-hmm. is about some of the main things that we try to you know get across get across here. and bring up all the time to just just the people around us in general and then we have an outlet here as a podcast and so no yeah i think it's this is this is a very good place to point people mm-hmm. um yeah. to as long as they recognize that we're talking about movies but we're really talking about all of ours yeah right yeah, yeah. supplies to writing the supplies right. to interpretive yep. dance supplies <laughs> to different forms and I'm genres try- okay yeah how does it apply Literature. to interpretive dance? Uh, have you ever seen the really like horrible Christian interpretive dance? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like yes. I don't even know oh, how to absolutely. characterize this at, at all. Oh, I just don't know how to characterize this. This really terrible Christian interpretive dance. Oh, I know what you're Usually about. to the tune of I Can Only Imagine or something. <laughs> right? Okay, so I saw that once and I was like, okay, yep. this is bad dance though. Yep. Yeah. Contrast, CF dot. This one music video that this guy, this like male ballerina, recorded to the song "Take Me to Church," which is not a Christian song, despite the yeah. title. Um, which is the whole—that's the irony. I get it. I'm not trying to just explain the joke. Okay. But so um, he did this interpretive ballet dance that was beautiful and even moving to the song, and that was a Christian act of ballet dance. <laughs> Even if nothing, dance doesn't communicate messages. Right. Doesn't communicate propositions. Um, but it was uh, a Christ-like frame in ballet. Okay, sure, right. sure, Something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. So, anyways, the 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 things we're saying here are broadly applicable to yeah. all Christian art, and yeah. if you lessen some of the specifics, I guess, to all of the Christian life. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. I mean, you mean yes. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the main thing is. I mean, even even just being able to identify the fruit of the spirit, not being an idea um, or a feeling, right? But being, um, you know, something that a form an of life. Yeah, yeah, a, a vibe, a form. I like um, the word vibe. We've I, I really around. do. I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's the one I, I really can yeah. connect with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, mood is not bad either. Right. Mood is the technical <laughs> term people use in literature to yeah. describe right. it. This thing has this mood yeah. or this right. tone. A yeah. tone. Yeah. Tone yeah. is the word. Yeah. yeah, I think that's Yeah, no, but um this is just something that, you know, us as Christians should take specifically and seriously as a mm-hmm. as a means to glorify God, as a means mm-hmm. to um, not only better our experience with art, um, but to um, have another opportunity, another tool to use in evangelism. I mean, just like mm-hmm. you were pointing out with a quiet place, right? Like that's such an easy way to point out to people. You like, like the quiet hey, place. You right. Might like you Jesus. might like Jesus. <laughs> right? No, obviously that's a cheesy yeah. way of doing that. But it doesn't have to be hokey. Don't right. do like that. No. Um, does not have to be hokey. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't do Yeah. <laughs> oh, so we can't just end on that example, Caleb. No, I mean, just, you know, being able to segue that into the gospel and just being like, I mean, that was a picture of Jesus. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Carly, you have any last thoughts for me? 
this year? I don't think so. Okay. Well, you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show and our, at our website at Christian Artist Show.com. And you can find this guy at Twitter. Do I have to plug my social I think media? You do. <laughs> I think I'm getting off Twitter like tomorrow. Oh, really? I'm like almost dead set on it. <laughs> You're just yeah, done. I'm so, oh, I'm so done. Okay. I mean, I was gone for a whole year almost. Uh-huh. And then I came back like a dog to its vomit. And, <laughs> and I've been on it for six weeks, and I'm already ready to go again. Uh, right. okay, so, me off. okay, well, so I have, want a, I have a blog at, called The Inside yeah, Outpost, um, which was already taken as a domain name. <laughs> so I had to, so the, the title of the thing is The Inside Outpost, but the domain is just my name. So it's rossnear.com. I don't post enough to call myself a blogger, but I have a blog. So I sit in this intermediate, you know, state of suspension between blogging and bloggering. Um, <laughs> no, no that's, just, that's good. I good. just made that up. That nope, was, that, that was that. yep. I yeah, get um, I guess I'm on Facebook too. So scoot around and find me. Yeah, well, there you go. I think that's it from here, us here at the Christian Artist. So um, thank you for watching and listening and uh, have a great week.